It's timely. It's insightful. It's motivating. It's empowering. It's time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy. Hello, and thanks for tuning into another edition of the Time with Fred podcast. This is a podcast that challenges paradigms and mindsets that hold us back. My guest today is a retired English teacher and dedicated student of life. In her teaching career, she taught thousands of students and mentored many young educators. Through the lens of literature and decades of classroom interaction, she developed a philosophy of looking at the world with a curious and discerning eye. She is the author of the book, Find Your Mini Pumpkin, Life Lessons to Live with Purpose. And she joins us from Pennsylvania by Zoom. And she is in the person of Victoria Short. Victoria, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for inviting me, Fred. Absolutely. The pleasure is all mine. I, I love the title of that book, uh, Victoria, Find Your Mini Pumpkin. Can you tell our audience a little bit uh, what that pumpkin represents and, and why that title, perhaps? Uh, sure. Actually, the title went through several iterations. It began as LT's Life Lessons because I was a lieutenant in the Army and my students used to call me LT. Um, but then when I decided to publish, I realized LT really wasn't going to work. No one would know what that meant. And then the next suggested title was The Road Traveled Mindfully. Hmm. Um, and when I uh, tested that, no one could remember it. Something about a road I got. But um, So then I finally decided to go with one of the favorite lessons, which was um, about pumpkins in every fall I would go to my local grocery store and find the mini pumpkins, which are technically gourds. But for some reason, they delight me. Don't quite know why, never figured it out. But um, I used to bring them into my classroom and tell my students how much I loved them. And it was silly and it was simple, but it was something that always made me smile. And I would buy a couple and put them on my desk and... Um, those pumpkins sometimes lasted until May. Mm. No one could figure out why. Maybe because it was so cold in my room and <laughs> preserved them. But the kids would say, like, why isn't that pumpkin rotting? And I'd say, because it knows it's loved. And it just became, you know, again, a silly thing. But my way of saying to the kids that the mini pumpkin is a reminder to embrace joy and wonder all the days of your life. And it became a symbol of that. I think that's a very powerful metaphor and, and whatever that represents. I mean, I was trying to find meaning and I was asking myself before the taping started, what is that mini pumpkin? What is my mini pumpkin? So I, I think it's a very powerful thing. And that, you know, whoever's, you know, to our audience, I'm sure, you know, the pumpkin may could represent different things to them at different times um, of, of their life season. So I, I kind of like that. Um, you, you start this book, uh, Victoria, with one of the topics that I, I love and as, as many times as we've discussed this particular topic here on this podcast, it never ceases to lose its value, right? It's, it's power. And that's gratitude. Um, yes. Why is gratitude to you, especially for this book, why is that a powerful thing for you? Gratitude helps to ground us, to keep us centered. We have so many blessings in our lives, but it's easy to get distracted and focus on the negative um, usually when we get focused on the negative, it's something fleeting. It could be you're in traffic and you're frustrated, but that's going to pass. You know, the enduring 
things that make us part of family and community are always present. And when we remind ourselves of those things, we get calmer, we get happier. We feel a part of something larger than ourselves. And many people have have talked about the power of gratitude. In fact, I, I've said to people, many of the things I talk in, about in this book are not things you're hearing for the first time, but it's rather a reassurance of things you've heard before, but that really resonate and make sense. I love that. And you also make the point that, you know, when we're being grateful or when we're being thankful, we shouldn't get into the habit of just making general platitudes or we've got to be very specific. And that's something that I do. Um, I find something, it could be a, a, a very common, right? Things that we typically take for granted. It could be just in the shower and just feeling that hot water roll through my back and, and being thankful for hot water. Growing up, we never had that. I never had hot water. Um, I grew up in, in, in Ghana in the sub, uh, in the West African sub-region. So certain things that we take for granted here, um, for, for me back then growing up, it was a luxury, right? And, and so it's I try not to get, allow myself to get lost in all of that. And every now and then I'll catch myself and like, well, this is a big deal. It was a big deal for me growing up. So I love the fact that being specific, I think it kind of focuses or it narrows or makes it more intentional rather than just saying, you know, thank you, right? What are you being thankful for? Was that was that the thought process behind behind that? Yes. And, and I said, even um, as you recall, of course, we're grateful for our health and our family and our friends. But if you start each morning with, okay, I'm going to be grateful for three things. And then you list those three, you're just checking off boxes. It's better to be in the moment when someone said something to you and you remember those words and they were so heartfelt and it was what you needed right then that's something to be grateful for or something very small but impactful um i walk a lot i'm blessed to be in an area that has a lot of paths and hiking trails and i just marvel at flowers or trees i don't know what they're called i don't know much about them i know they're there literally on my path and in that moment i can connect to something i am deeply grateful for I love that. And you also uh, wrote about knowing the exit signs, find the bathrooms, have a plan. That I kind of chuckled it out a little bit. And I'll let you show your thoughts behind that one. My my father does not like crowds, um, never did. And I think he instilled in me that you have to understand the lay of the land, know where you are at all times. You don't have to be frightened. You can have new adventures and go to places you've never been before. But if you're going to a stadium, you know, if you're going to a building, it just makes sense to know where you are, being able to orient yourself, being able to get to an exit if you need to. Yeah, I always like to know where the bathrooms are. When I was um, substitute teaching, I was going to a different school every day. And so that first thing was, I need to know where my classroom is. I need to know where the restrooms are just so my day is calm and I don't have to worry when the need arises that I don't know where to go. Um, big thing in the army too, you know, knowing exactly where you are, what the mission entails, and even those small details can make all the difference. It's interesting you say that. I was, um, 
Jose, well, so our kids were actually having a conversation the other day, and uh, my wife and I were, were talking to the kids. And it's, it's, I guess it's in light of all this, you know, mass shooting on all this, you know, craziness that's that's happening here in, in, in the world, really. And uh, we're, you know, as, as much as it was a very grim and difficult conversation with them, we, we, we were sharing with them, you know, if for whatever reason we're out there and, you know, we're in the store or mall or movie theater, wherever and god forbid something happens find the exit sign and head out don't don't try to find us don't don't try to look for us just 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 run out right and then you know we'll we'll, we'll find you you know god willing we're, we're making it up but I, I think it's one of those things that um sadly we have we have to come to realize and i'm not sure whether that was the same perspective uh, with which you wrote this but that's what i i my mind went to when i was reading that and you, you gotta have a plan i mean it was you know metaphorically but for us it was real when we're having that conversation know exactly where those exit signs are and and head out you know hopefully Absolutely. that never happens to us but <laughs> yeah well we train um in the in the classroom and sadly this is a reality alice drills and so students know and sometimes they're announced and sometimes they aren't and so based upon where the quote active shooter is do we exit do we barricade stay in place those are split second decisions and now students sadly have to to make those decisions um so that they're safe but in a way it 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 can carry over into our daily lives. Again, not to make us paranoid and frightened, but to give us the confidence that we can handle a situation that we don't see coming, um, but we know we can re rely on our own resources and common sense to see us through. What are, what are um, was there any personal stories that, that you relate to, like of all the, the, the topics, and I know there there's so many good ones there because we're not going to go through every one of them because we want people to go out and, and, and find this for themselves, right? But which of these topics do you feel like you were were very, um, were resonating or resonated with you? I mean, I'm sure there, there are so many of them that you can relate, but any ones that particular stand out may as a result of a personal life lesson or experience um, for you? The big one for me is the one I want to avoid as much as possible, and that is regret. Mm. That is such a big one. Um, and it's scary to try new things, but it's worse to stay where you are because you're afraid to explore. And this came into being particularly when I was considering leaving teaching, and it was a big decision for me. Um, and it would have been easier in a lot of ways to just say, this is a great profession and I've loved it for many years and it is giving me a paycheck and it's solid. Um, so many people are in professions where they're unhappy, but they have a mortgage to pay. They have a family to feed. And so rather than thinking about what else could be, they say very focused because they're trying to be responsible. But I would hate to think what people 20 years down the road would think about the decisions they made out of fear. Um, and with all the greatest intentions to protect their loved ones, to be responsible, we all want to be responsible in any times, particularly ones that are demanding financially. Um, 
But if you don't look inside, if you don't check in with yourself, if you don't say, am I really on this path or could it be better? You plant the seeds of regret. And then years later, those fears become hardwired. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, that was the really important piece. And it comes back to just being mindful, being mindful, checking in with yourself so that you can avoid the regret later in life. Mm -hmm. You can make mistakes. We're, we're all going to make mistakes. I'm going to make plenty more uh, in my life. That's all part of the process. That's not the part to fear. The part to fear is staying stagnant and always wondering what could have been. That is a very powerful um, uh, perspective, uh, the Victor, because it's, uh, it's, it's that status quo. It's that comfort zone. It's that place of familiarity and, and all the what ifs that we, we, we contend with, you know, when we think about you know, stepping out of the boat, so to speak. And I interviewed a 98-year-old um, guest, my my oldest so far on the podcast, and I think we were talking about life in general. And uh, I asked her what uh, the greatest regret would be uh, for her looking back. And she said, thinking back and realized she, she didn't do what she wanted to do all her life. And I thought, hmm, this this is a very profound uh, thing, and and we all we all experience that. And I think, you know, even now, you know, considering what's happening to us, you know, economies that are you know struggling with inflation and all of that, and whatevs, you know, things are hard now. And it, and then, and then we don't right knowing that we ought to, but we don't. And then later on, we think back and and we hate ourselves. And I love that it's it's not it, it's worse to stay with where you are. And I, and I want us to unpack this a little because I. I think this is a very um, good one, especially as it relates to this podcast and, and, the, and the theme, right? It's, it's really challenging those paradigms and mindsets, whatever they may be, whether it's fear, whether it's failure. And that's why we, we're doing this, right? And for people who've come in and, and shared their experiences just to help, you know, make that move a little, a little better, a little easier. I mean, I, I don't think it can be any easier, right? Because we're dealing with real, contending with real, real life issues here, but... How does one um, overcome that strong urge to stay where they are, whether it's fear, whether it's past failure, whether whether it's that comfort zone, and and um, you know how does one how does one go beyond that? I mean, some of these can be very debilitating. It could be a real life experience where they went through something, and you know that that becomes very palpable. It becomes very gripping, and that's kind of freezes people, and they just really can't move past whatever that past is for them. Thoughts on that? I think the key, often people talk about making a 180 degree change, and that's frightening. And you don't have to. Consider making a five degree change. Mm -hmm. Consider where the trajectory of that change is going to lead. It, it could be huge, but you don't have to leap out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. uh, I would start, when people feel stuck, I would start by examining where are you now, particularly if they're in a job that they don't like. There's something about that job that you do like. Examine why you went in that direction to begin with. Consider a typical day or a typical week, uh, wherever you are. What are the parts of the day that you enjoy? Because in those parts are the seeds of what comes next. Um, and so that when people say, I, I hate my job, and, and often people say that out of frustration or fear of the boss or changes or annoying coworkers. It's not the entirety. 
And it's not what got them excited in the beginning. It's something that's encroaching on their day. So now it seems all consuming. Um, but in what you're doing is something that moves you. I remember when I was in the army and I knew it wasn't going to be a career. It was going to be a part of my life and a part that I was very privileged to be part of. But I remember one time I had to give a presentation about chemical warfare and I had to instruct a platoon of soldiers on how to properly fit a gas mask on your face so that you would seal it properly. And I didn't think about it at the time. And there was nothing exciting about chemical warfare, but there was something about the teaching part. There was something about connecting with an audience. And when I started thinking about that experience, when I was, I, I refer to it as my six years in the desert, part of that time I was in Arizona, so I was technically in the desert, but six years of my life, thank goodness I have very supportive parents, that I just went from job to job, from career path to career path, looking for something that would stick and would resonate. And I started to think about the things that I'd done. And I thought, I really liked presenting that information. The information itself didn't move me, but the activity of sharing and checking for understanding, a term I wouldn't even know until I became a certified teacher, but somehow you instinctively know. We've all been students. You know, we've all had teachers that we admired. So even though I knew the army wasn't going to be my final destination, there were elements of things that I did during that experience that became core parts of who I would be later. And I think it's important for people who feel stuck or feel fearful to examine their day. Again, it's that mindful piece. There are parts of your day you enjoy. Is there a way to expand that? Is there a way to reconfigure it? If indeed you leave that position, is there a way to reimagine it? If we just take the time to think, um, it's amazing what we can create, especially in post-pandemic times. It's incredible. It, it reminds me of the soul searching that a lot of people did in the wake of 9-11. Mm -hmm. Left relationships, left jobs, embraced new things because suddenly life was precious. Yes. And the pandemic has done very similar things in people reimagining what's possible. This too shall pass. Uh, growing out, this used to be my my personal philosophy in life, and um, until until it, it it changed, it became something else. But when it was, it meant it meant a lot to me. It wasn't just uh, a philosophical statement like many would would think it to be, but for me, it was real in the sense that knowing that no, no matter what the difficulty is or what whatever the hard whatever challenging that that experience um, was for me that it would pass, that nothing lasts forever. And it was a very real and tangible um, uh, statement. I mean, it was more than a philosophy for me. It was it was more like a mantra and I kind of lived by it for a long time until you know I got into a different season in life. But I, I'd like to uh, hear about your, your, your perspective uh, with that particular one, this too shall pass. That phrase I learned from my mom. Um, and you know how impetuous teenagers can be and everything is all consuming and all right now. And I remember I would come home from school with my little dramas and she would always say that. Um, and invariably in the life of high school drama, it, it changes literally in hours or overnight. So I could see that there was truth in what she was saying. 
Um, and as I've grown older, I know that the one constant is changed. Everything changes. That can sometimes be a source of fear. But I think it's a grand source of opportunity. And everything will pass. The crisis will pass. Or if something tragic happens, um, it's not as if the tragedy ceases to be. It will have consequences. But even then, you develop a very different relationship with that event. And so the the initial shock or grief or anger or whatever the emotion may have been, that too will change. And the experience that may have seemed so negative or so overwhelming, that will take its rightful place in your experience and may indeed become a great teaching tool for somebody else. When you're five down five years down the road from it, and then somebody's experiencing it right then in the moment, you have a perspective that you can lend, which gives great comfort. Um, so that phrase has grown over time to en encompass much more than my high school dramas. But I do, I do think it, it, it sounds simple. And I, I don't like to reduce life to, to witticisms and platitudes. But that one resonates. That one is is true oh absolutely oh absolutely it, it, it did for me uh for for a very long time um in a, in a particular season uh in my life you mentioned grief very briefly there and then you have a chapter here that talks about managing grief and grief is one of those that um you know i know it's a very touchy touchy one for a lot of people i've, I've known grief and i'm sure you know you've known grief and everybody else listening has known some sort of grief but I think the moment that it happens or in the moment that you're going through experiencing that it's, 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 it's a tough one, right? Depending on, you know, what level of grief, whether it's a loss of a loved one or, you know, personal tragedy or, or whatever, but how do we, how do we navigate this, um, Victor, or how do we manage this in the way that alleviates that pain if it does or brings us a little bit of comfort or, or strength or courage to go through uh, whatever it is that we, we're going through at, the, at that moment one part that was helpful to me um were the stages of grief mm -hmm. um, and a lot of has been written on that at first you're in shock i think this is part of the reason that people can actually attend funerals and i know they bring great comfort but sometimes at that point it's so raw and it's so fresh you're just going through the motions and sometimes the full weight of the loss will not hit you until later or it may hit you unexpectedly or you may think you're doing fine and you are doing fine and then suddenly someone says something and you feel you're right back to square one my message would be that whatever's happening you're not alone mm. it grief looks different for everyone um and it's okay to to feel what you're feeling and it's okay to reach out for help my greatest fear my personal greatest fear when i was dealing with grief was i got so depressed and angry i couldn't seem to snap out of it and i started to fear that this was my new normal that somehow my personality had shifted and I'd always be looking through this cloud. Um, and that was frightening to me because I thought I'm just compounding the loss by losing myself. And I'm certainly not offering solace to others who need me in this time. 
And so that was my own personal fear. And what I learned is I just had to let time be the great healer. And that's not very reassuring when you're in the moment of grief and you feel so hollow and so alone and people say, well, you know, time heals all wounds. That's going to make you very angry. Um, it does, but that's not what you want to hear in the moment. I think in the moment, if you want to scream, go ahead and scream. If you want to cry, if you want to throw things, mm. then that's what you do. Let it out. Let it be. It's normal. It's human. It's okay. And no one's going to hold it against you. But if you bottle it up, it starts coming out in all sort of unexpected ways. So be present and feel what you're feeling and make no apologies. It's all okay. What a powerful, what a powerful way. And you talk about the, you know, different schools of thought. One that I, I most familiar with is uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's um, yes. different, then there are five stages. She's talked about fear and all of that. And, and, and you're so right, right? We all, we all experience it very differently. Um, we all deal with it differently and we all at uh, different stages. Um, but it's, it's, it's really not suppressing it and allowing, you know, us, us to go through, um, you know, the best way we can and allow time to heal itself. I love that. Another favorite one that you write about is, is perspective, right? It's, 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 I don't know, seemingly, seemingly common or seemingly simplistic, but very, very powerful um, when we apply different perspectives uh, to life. You want to share a little bit about um, perspective there? Sometimes perspective for me is just about getting older. Um, when I think about the things that consumed me when I was young, I just sort of laugh and that's where I was and that's fine. Um, and that's why when students were in front of me worrying about the things that were very real and, and very much in the moment for them, um, I could see myself and my advice could be, I know this is raw and it feels intense. And actually it's kind of a wonderful thing to feel emotions intensely. You know, your first, love, things like that, like feel it and be fully present. Know that over time things change and you get another perspective and you have, you can see the breadcrumbs of your life in a way. Um, something, and teenagers can do it too, but especially when you get older, you can see what led you to this moment. And sort of looking back and seeing the breadcrumbs that led to this moment, it's very interesting and it's very illuminating about what one holds dear because sometimes we're, we're we get so caught up in the moment of just doing i used to say to my students please don't trudge through your lives you know but when you can look back and see what brought you to this moment then you have an overview it's a different perspective it's like a bird's eye view of the path of you and when you sometimes take a moment to look at what has brought you to this moment it can help you have confidence mm. that you know what steps to take. That's one that I feel like gets missed a lot or gets shrouded in the midst of all the, the noise and the distractions of this world. And, and I feel like sometimes we, we go through life at such break, break, <laughs> neck breaking speed that we tend to miss out on, on some of these um, valuable, valuable life lessons because we're, we're looking for that end zone, right? We're looking for that 
our minds and hearts are, are fixed on that destination that we tend to miss out on, on, on the pleasures and, mm-hmm. and the things along the wayside. And, and, and what a way to, to deprive ourselves from some of the rich experiences in life. And it, it's not until, you know, it's funny, one example that comes to mind was during the pandemic, during lockdown, where what, you know, what, what, what step out, my wife and I and the kids will, will take walks in the, in the neighborhood just to get some fresh air because we've been co- cooked up in the house for for, for for a while. And and it was interesting. It was my wife who made that remarkable observation that we didn't realize how peaceful and how tranquil and how beautiful the neighborhood was, right, until we 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 were forced to take to take that or were forced to take those walks because oftentimes it's you know we get in the car you know we zoom past we we don't make that time to to appreciate the things that are part of life because we're just so busy you know either trying to get from point a to point b and either you know go to work or picking up kids that we would miss out on that and 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 how powerful that is to be able to slow down and see things from a different perspective and not allow the cares of the world and the noise and the distraction to to take away i wonder how many things we've missed you know in our own lives along the journey of life just because we've not slowed down enough to to smell the roses so to speak i think of i think of that time particularly for people who have children and are taking them to all these activities and that time in the car is like you say it's just to get there but that could be part of the journey you could have a conversation with your child that he or she is going to remember 20 years from now. And it was a pivotal conversation and you were present. And so why lose that time? It's not just rushing to get to the destination. That is part of the full experience. I want you to speak to that person now who was listening, who may be, you know, whatever stage may be in life, whether they're trying to, you know, find that, that exit or struggling with gratitude or, um, trying to find a, a different perspective in life or, or regrets or, or, or whatever. But as you feel led, just speak to that person, Victor, as we kind of wrap this up. I think that sometime this week, um, it's important to carve out a little piece of time for oneself. Hmm. Maybe it's 15 minutes. Maybe you have to um, take care of the kids first, make sure you get home from work, walk the dog, whatever it is, maybe while you're walking the dog, but carve out a 15 minute window where it's just you and you and get really real. Um, This is not a time to beat oneself up. This is a time of opportunity. And it's a time to say to oneself, am I happy? Am I happy? Um, If I'm not happy, where are those places where I don't feel fulfilled? And what can I do? And maybe make it a weekly practice just to check in. Um, I think mindfulness starts as something you schedule and then becomes a practice as it becomes more natural. But tuning in to oneself and one's needs and not, don't worry about what the answer is. Ask yourself, are you happy? Don't worry if the answer is no. That's the first step to happiness. What are the obstacles? What are the roadblocks? Maybe people are content, but they have a feeling there's more. And that's okay too. You can still feel blessed. You can still embrace everything that's wonderful in your life, but it's okay to explore. So I think giving people permission to really sit down with themselves and get really honest is a gift with enduring returns. 
And the first time is probably the hardest, but it gets easier. And I also want to say particularly, for me it was with my students, for parents it's with their children. Children are always watching us, watching how we conduct our lives and taking care of ourselves is a way we can model it for them so that they know it's equally important to check in with themselves. So I think that's a practice, that's where you start. If you don't know where to start, if you don't know where to turn, you carve out a few minutes and say, am I happy? Why, why not? And start exploring avenues. And again, don't just grab onto your reality right now and say, this is my lot in life. Say, this is where I am and I'm open to possibility. Ritara Short, author of the book, Find Your Mini Pumpkin, Life Lessons to Live with Purpose. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing some of these powerful nuggets with us. I've gotten a lot out of this and I trust that our audience have gotten quite a lot out of that too. Before we go, where can our audience find a copy of your book? My book will be available um, for purchase October 26th on Amazon. And uh, they can also purchase a copy through my website, which is authorvictoriashort.com. Thank you so much, Victoria, again, for coming on the podcast. It's been a great pleasure um, just chatting with you a little bit and, and, and just learning about some of these life lessons that uh, have all shaped you know, your, your own journey and shaped mine, and I'm sure uh, will shape our audience as well. But I really appreciate you and your nuggets. And uh, to your audience as well, thank you for tuning in as always. And until next time, stay well.